this morning before we go to the word. Once again, by the time we come back next time, the year would be ending and the promise still stands. The only thing which I want to make clear to you, do not make the mistake the, the Jews made when Jesus came first. The spiritual first, the material next. A constant question to Jesus was, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom now? The material. He was not. He's coming back for that. But he came first to restore the spiritual first. So when we got this promise, don't jump into the material first. See through God's eyes. and In the next seven days, let him restore the spiritual first. The spiritual first. Then he will add all the other things. The kingdom of God first and foremost is spiritual. That's what we seek first. And then he says as you do that, he will keep adding all the other things that you and I need. Don't put the cart before the horse. You will be disappointed. We still have six days to go, seven days to go. And we still believe if he could finish everything in three days, he can do much more in seven days. Amen? So this morning before we go to the word, once again, we'll look to the Lord and we shall pray. Father, this morning, we are in your house and you are in our midst. Stand by faith. For it is written, two or three of you gather in my name, I'll be in your midst. You are here. And we worship you. We magnify you. We come as sinners to our Savior, as children to our Father, as servants to our Lord and our Master. We pray, Lord, touch us. In your presence, there is mercy. In your presence, there is grace. We need both. I need both. All of us need both. Touch our ears. We need hearing ears. Touch our eyes. We need seeing eyes. Sanctify our lips. Heart that believes. Mouth that confesses what we believe. This morning, speak to us once again. We sit at your feet, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> the title of today's message is Shall we get Christ back into Christmas? If we have to get Christ back into Christmas, one, we have to go to the Word. 
two, we have to go to the first Christmas. Unlike every other book in the world, every other book in the world, there's only one book that is truth. Entirely truth. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Absolutely, entirely truth. This book. Everything else is either sheer fiction or a combination of facts and fiction or even if it is science, suppositions. This which you hold in your hand. If you chose to bring your Bible or if you have the app in your phone, it's truth. Absolutely truth. God is truth. The Son is truth. The Spirit is truth. His word is truth. The church is called to be the pillar and the foundation of the truth. So, when we come to the birth of his son, the greatest event ever that took place in human history. Christ was born. His history, literally history, he split history into two, before and after. But Christ is born is history. Christ born in me is the actual Christmas. That is salvation. That's not history. That is salvation. We had during worship and when we had during the awesome offertory, we read from Isaiah 9, unto us, child, child, I know born, but that is. You need to read scripture very carefully. The grammar God uses are not always the same. By his stripes, he will say through Isaiah, we are healed. Peter will say, by his stripes, we were healed. But when it comes to the birth of his son, he says, he is born. Even today, he will be born in many hearts around the world. Because he is always birthing himself in the lives and the hearts of his people. Unto us, a child is not will be. It was grammatically correct to write 600 years before his actual birth, it should be written, he will be born. And looking back in history, it should be written, he was born. That's not the truth. He is born. He is born. We're talking about a living savior. So if you go back to the word of God, we can separate truth from fiction. Because Babylon is always trying to encroach and take over. We go back to the Bible, we go back to the scriptures and we need to find the real Christ and get him back into Christmas. We have a day. For me personally, Jesus was never born on December the 25th. He was not. He could not be if you look at scripture. But we have been given a day. We use that day. We celebrate, we proclaim. Because December 25th is a, one of the biggest occult days in the calendar. It's the winter solstice. It's one of the biggest occult days. So when Roman Empire turned Christian, they turned 
a festival of one of their gods and to put it together, they made it into Christmas Day. But we have a holiday <coughs> and today is Sunday. And he was born. Which day? We do not know, but he was born. God has given us this day and we will celebrate. But there is a real Jesus and a false Jesus. I didn't say it. God said it. And he said it through his apostle Paul. In Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4. But I feared lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, which we have not preached. So another Jesus can be preached, which is not there in the scriptures. If you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, you can receive, if, you, if I preach another Jesus and you receive him, you receive another spirit, which is not the Holy Spirit, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted. So there can be a different gospel. A different gospel, a different Jesus, and a different spirit. We need to be very sure what we preach, what we hear, what we celebrate. It's the Christ of the Bible. But there's another one that is preached. That is, there is another one that is celebrated. Even in the city, from the airport, to every mall, you don't see Christ. <coughs> you see Santa Claus. You see red costumes. And you see red caps. To the point, today, he's been substituted as a father God, because he's called Father Christmas. I didn't notice somewhere outside when we came in, I think there is some Santa there, little Santa, I didn't even notice. But when I came in, I was sitting at the back and I was talking to little Zoe. First question she asked me is, how did Santa get into our church? We need to go back to the simplicity of Christ. Because Babylon is taking over. And they will take anything and take over and completely change the nature of what is truth. Last week our stocks, nobody will receive it. He will come as Christ. That's why God wants us to be sober. To be alert. Or he will take to take over anything. Right in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, by mixing truth and falsehood. And this is the season when so much falsehood is sold. So we need to go to the truth and stick to the truth and believe in the truth. The truth about Christ, the simplicity of Christ, 
what happened over 2,000 years ago. We have cameramen over here. In your mental, in your mind, in your heart, let us pan the camera back. Back into history 2,000 years back. What happened then? What has changed? Ask a few hard questions. It's good to ask questions. God does not get angry with questions if he asks it. Unless you are questioning his integrity. He has no issues with questions. Because questions in the Bible begins with God. Does not begin with man. Of course the first question is brought by the deceiver. Did God really say? But after that the questions are asked by man. By God. Adam, where are you? Who told you? What have you done? The first three questions he asks in the kingdom. In the garden. Where are you? He's asking us this question. Okay, you're celebrating Christmas, but where are you? What you are celebrating, who told you? What you are doing or done? So degree? What have you done? Then you get mad. Pastor is a joy killer. So he comes and asks outside the garden, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do right, will you not be accepted? So do not be deceived. So ask a few hard questions this morning. Oh little town of Bethlehem. Nobody gave a thought to Bethlehem. 2,000 plus years ago. It was just a village. Small little village. Nobody cared about Bethlehem. And there was a young couple there. Heavily pregnant lady. Probably in her late teens. They got married very young those days. Heavily pregnant God, in his sovereignty, touched the heart of an emperor sitting in Rome and told him, have a census in your empire. So the census started. The entire purpose of moving millions upon millions all around the Roman empire was that every citizen should go to their native town was so that his son would be born according to the prophecy that was given 500, 600 years earlier. Understand how God's sovereignty works. He can make millions of people move around just for one scripture to come true. And there is this young couple who traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem because they were from that town. And she was heavily pregnant. And they reached. And Luke chapter 2 and verse 7 says, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for him in the inn. It's a panic kind of situation. I don't know how many of us can really, really relate to this. I grew up, <clears throat> up, up, up in the Himalayas, in the mountains where my parents were educators, as you want to call them. Dad was a principal, mom was a teacher. And every year for vacation, December, it was winter, so it was winter vacation. 
those days, in the 19th, late 60s, 70s, we came down from the mountain, down to the border town, then took a train to come to India. It was a horrible journey by bus. Those were the days there was no medication called Awomin. You know what Awomin is for? So that you don't vomit. This is coming down from 20,000 feet down, around 32 hairpins. Hairpin bends. So all you did was you threw up to your right, to your left, to your friend, all over. It was a gruesome journey coming down. Old buses. You know the bus looks looks like a jeep you only have seen in movies, right? That's the kind of buses we traveled. So by the time you reach the border town, it's again inside that country, it was late evening, night. I can still remember. It's vacation. Suddenly the town is full because all the people who are traveling for vacation, the town is full. And Dad would tell us, stay in the station. And Mom and all of us little ones sitting there. Do you know what he was looking for? A room. A room. Ten minutes. Twenty minutes. Thirty minutes. Forty-five minutes. One hour. You know what the man was doing? Hotel after, hotel after, hotel after. Each hotel. Full, 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 full. And finally we see him coming and he would say, Got a room. Got a room. Flashback, 2000 plus years. Young man with his heavily pregnant wife. Going around. No room. No room. No room. The innkeeper was probably excited. Do you know why? The best day for business. The inn is full. Packed. No room. No time. You're bad for business. The first one to reject the Savior the day he was born was the innkeeper. Business was good that day. There was no room for the Savior. Now let's fast forward from the past into the future. Revelation 3.20 When the age ends. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door. Who is he speaking to? A church. Business is good. We are rich. We have no need for anything. But there's no room for the Savior still. No room for the Savior. 52 Sundays. The year is almost over. Let's ask ourselves a very hard question. How much room and how much time <coughs> did we make for the Savior in our own lives? Because unto us a child is given. Is given. Unto us a child is given. Or was it business as usual?
Did we have time? Did we have room? Lavadish she had no time. They had no time. And they had no room. And here is the Savior knocking at the hearts and the door of a church and said, will you let me in? First hard question we ask ourselves. Because our God asks questions. He begins with questions. He ends the Old Testament with questions. If I am, then where is? If I am, then where is? If I am your savior, did you have room for me? I'm asking myself. You ask yourself. The child is born, is wrapped up in swaddling clothes, which is history for a lot of people who have no idea what swaddling clothes may look like, right? Have no idea, right? When our babies were born, or to be born, one of the standard requests to the mommies, the, the grandmother of the baby, the mothers, our own mothers was born. Mommy, keep your old cotton saris. They used to wash those saris and take all the starch out. Cotton saris, not silk. (laughs) Because the baby needed the softest. All the snappies, everything was made with the cotton saris. Now, of course, we ordered from Amazon diapers. Mary, of course, couldn't order diapers. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Put him in a manger. That's all that is said about the greatest event mankind would ever witness or know. The greatest event. One line. She brought forth her firstborn, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and put him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And then the announcement is made. Verse 8 to 11. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's what I said. We need to go into the scriptures. God Almighty, through an angel, announcing the birth of his son to a very special select audience. The poorest, the poorest of the poor. The poorest of the poor. These are not ordinary shepherds. These are probably caretakers. The poorest of the poor. God goes by what he says. Blessed are the poor. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the for theirs is the kingdom of God. Isaiah 9.6 Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is. Unto us a child is born. 
unto us a son is given. Pass forward to Luke chapter 2 verse 11. For there is born to you this day. Who is that us? Isaiah prophesied 600 years earlier unto us. But when it is specifically spoken to, it is spoken to the poorest of the poor unto you. A son is given. Unto you. At the city of David. Who is born? A savior is born. A savior is born. Who is Christ the Lord. It's interesting. Absolute total clarity of who is born. And who is he. And what is his purpose of his coming. Is given to a set of very poor shepherds. Who can understand the ways of God? One sign alone is given in verse 12. This will be the sign to you. To nobody else. To you. The baby, you'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Because only you will understand this sign. Nobody will understand this sign. This sign is very close to your heart. So to you, a sign is given. We have this all over. We just look at it, pass over and go. Because it doesn't relate. We don't relate to that. We don't even know what a manger is. <laughs> Shepherds knew. So to you, a sign is given. There may be many babies born around that same time in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. We know many were born. But to you, a sign is given. You know which baby? That is wrapped up in swaddling clothes and put in a manger. Don't mistake the baby. Because if you get the baby wrong, that baby won't be able to save you. Your salvation is entirely dependent upon the right baby. He is Christ the Lord. Suddenly you have verse 13 and 14. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. I think last week at the church office, some of you were there and we had this another festival going on of another particular religion and that sound and that this thing. And I was telling some of the young ones, I said, listen to that music. Musics in religion are not the same. In a same religion are not the same. In religion are not the same. Because there are principalities, rulers, powers of darkness from the principality down to the small little demon at the gully. There are all kinds of gods. So if you listen to the song and the music, you will be able to understand which demon they are worshipping. The nature of music changes. So when you go on to the higher forms of principalities and all, you have this extreme form of classical music. Because that guy will not accept that music. Will not accept that music. Because all music originated in the places of worship. Religion and music cannot be separated. So if you were to give, you know, because this is where culture comes in. And culture divides the society. We have people of high culture and people of low culture. 
So you have classical music in any forms of Western, or let us say a Christmas choir. The Christmas choir which will perform with that classical tones and all, they will practice and all, but they will only perform to select audiences. Why? Because the audience have to meet there. But the greatest choir mankind has ever heard was an angelic choir. When God sent the angelic choir, was sent to a set of poor shepherds who did not understand music. Who didn't know how to appreciate music. Who didn't know the scales or the octaves. That's my God. That's your God. Nobody ever before or after has ever heard a song like this. It was angelic. Take a look at the audience. Question. 52 Sundays are over. Do I despise the poor in my heart? Do I want to associate with them? If the worship team is asked, we are going to have a concert. Prepare, prepare. First thing they will ask is, where? Practice for 30 days. Where? We are going to go and sing and give our best to the slums. Slums? It is not who you are singing to matters. About whom you are singing matters. This is our major issue. If you don't bring Christ into everything that you do, it will not become worship. Whatever you do, the Bible says, do it as unto the Lord. The angelic choir was doing it unto their Lord who had sent them. The audience did not matter to them. They were singing about their God, our Savior, not their Savior. Their God, our Savior. Pause, think. Think for a minute. How did I worship God this whole year? Like I said, worship is not defined in church. Worship is defined in the privacy of your closets early in the morning. If you haven't worshipped there, you haven't worshipped here. Like whichever man, man of God who said, I perform to the audience of one. That one. Verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. Suddenly, Once they hear this news, nothing matters. Business does not matter. They are in the business of rearing sheep and providing them probably to Jerusalem for their sacrifices. Business does not matter. We heard something. Let us. Let us. Go. Read carefully. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to 
Did you believe what you hear? Jesus told Thomas eight days after his resurrection, blessed are those who believe without seeing. They haven't seen. They have already believed. Let us go and see what has come to pass. Do you know why the gospel is preached to the poor? Because God has made those who are poor in this world rich in faith. There's no doubt. If you go to Jerusalem two years later, it is full of doubt. The outfields of Bethlehem, there is no doubt. He said, it has come to pass. Let us go. How many of you can say that this is my 52nd Sunday of this year where I have always come to church on time? Because we have not believed what we have heard. When two or three gather in my name, I will be in your midst. That changes everything. That changes everything. If you believe, it changes everything. So the question is, they heard a report. They believed. The prophet Isaiah and Paul will echo that same cry. Lord, who has believed our report? Did we believe? Did we go to Jesus this morning? For unto us, unto us, is he given? Our Savior, Christ the Lord. If we go to him, in Hebrews 7 and verse 25, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through, that's why he is the Savior. Every day God says, if you come to me through him, I will save you. We all need saving. And we will need saving saving till our last day. We need to be saved consistently, constantly. Did we go? Otherwise we are. Otherwise we can say, happy holidays, not Merry Christmas. That's why in the Christian nations they say happy holidays because nobody is going to Christ. Just having fun. They're just having fun. So even the president will say happy holidays. He doesn't say Merry Christmas. Because if you say Merry Christmas, then Christ is there. That's why we are very comfortable with Santa Claus. I still remember years and years ago, one of the little kids, she's not here, grown up now. I asked her, what happened at school last week? She said, Santa Claus came and gave us all chocolate. You ask any child out there in the world, they don't talk about Christ and Christmas. They talk about Santa Claus and Christmas. And verse 16. And they came with, circle that word, haste. They made haste. Ask this hard question. Do we make haste about anything concerning Christ?
Tomorrow, if it's not a holiday, we will rush to school, make haste to get our children ready, and make haste to reach them before the gate closes. If you're working for a company, you will make haste to reach before time. But here I said of poor people who made haste to see Jesus. There is silence in the house. One of those chapters that touched my eyes, my heart, many years ago. It's for the first time when God visited a man after the fall. It's in Genesis chapter 18. The Lord appeared to him by the terebin tree of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. Who is that? Abraham. So he lifted his eye and looked and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he, read for me, he, he, how old is he? 99. Anybody 99 here? He ran. Behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran again. He ran from the tendo to meet them. And he bowed himself to the ground. He ran. And then he says, verse 3. And he said, my Lord, if I have found favor in your sight. There were three, but he immediately recognized who the Lord was. If I have found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought. Wash your feet. Rest yourself under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that you may pass by in as much as you have come to your servant. And they said, do as you have said. What did he say? Lord, do not pass me. Do not pass me. By. When we say, Lord, do not pass me by, do you know what we mean? We mean, Lord, do not pass me by. Please bless me as you go. Now here he's not saying that. He says, do not pass me by that I might bless you. I might bless you. God visits man. A man is saying, Lord, he's making haste. Why? Lord, that I might feed you. Lord, I might bless you. Lord, that you may take rest. Ask that question. Simple question. Verse 6 says, Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly! Make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. Suddenly you see, everybody is running. For what? To serve the Lord. The shepherds made haste. Shepherd made haste. Next time you come to church, or anything connected with God, even in your own personal Devotions. Make haste. Make haste. Because there is somebody who sees. They made haste. Let's go back to Luke. 
And when they had seen him, when they had seen him, they made him know widely. They made him widely known saying, which was told them concerning this child. 52 Sundays are over. Did you make him known to anybody? Anybody? Friday we had a baptism. Just a couple of kids. One is here. I told. The number is irrelevant. Just two. It will be a proper baptism service. So I will go take you through the scriptures. Because the number is irrelevant. It's what is happening is what matters. About whom we are talking. Of all the services as a pastor you have to do, starting with baby dedication to funeral, everything in between. The most exciting is baptism. There's something about a baptism. Because you know Christ has been born in somebody. And there was a young man. I was seeing him for the first time. His friend, one of our pastor's sons, he had been telling me. They were classmates. He ministered to that young man. He brought him to the Lord. He discipled me. And he kept on telling me every time. Uncle, uncle, uncle. Next time you have baptism, please remember me. My friend wants to get baptized. So I called him. and said, I'm sorry last time we forgot. This time. We are having a baptism. Did you make him known to your friends? It's a commandment. Go to the ends of the nations. and Make disciples. Baptizing them. They made him widely known. It's the age of media, social media. You are all smart. All know how to use your app. Your app kings and app queens. Have you used your social media to make him known? Opportunities God gives us. We are telling last night, John Wesley traveled 50,000 miles on horseback, making him widely known. Ask these questions so that we can bring Christ back into Christmas. Because it is not happy holidays. It's Merry Christmas. Apostle Paul would say, the love of God constrains me. In another place he will say, woe unto me. Woe unto me. If I don't, preach the gospel. Wait in Jerusalem. The promise of the Father. When the Holy Spirit comes, you shall receive power. And you shall be my witnesses. My witnesses. Shall we make him known? Widely known. Lord, I did not. But Lord, I want to give me opportunities, O Lord. Give me opportunities, Lord. Let me never be ashamed of you.
Let me never be ashamed of you. Lord, never be ashamed of you. Because you are my Lord. You are my Savior. It doesn't matter who I am. It matters who you are. The shepherd didn't care who will believe our report. He said, no, they went and made him widely known. And verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. How did they return? How will you return? How will we return? Today. Complaining and grumbling. Status quo as usual. Or glorifying and praising. Ask these questions. How will we return? Glorifying mercy or Christ? We made haste to get everything ready before the broadcast may started. We were absolutely sure to have emptied our bladder so we could sit there 45 minutes without a break and then took the break with them. We made haste to worship Messi. And when he hit his goal, we worshipped him. We did. We did. The idols of the most modern man. Sports, music, movies, drama. It's all business. There's nothing out there, just business. And we worship them. We idolize them. Five million people on the streets of Buenos Aires to celebrate Messi. The crowds were too large. The government had to airlift them and show them on the helicopter. But when the Son of Man came, nobody went. Even today, most of the world is not celebrating Christ. They are celebrating themselves. You are not celebrating Christ. If we had made him widely known, it would have been a different celebration. Ask questions. It's good to ask questions. Glorify and praising God. The man at the gate called Beautiful. When he got his healing, the Bible says he went leaping into the temple, jumping and leaping and praising God. When the apostles were beaten for preaching Jesus Christ, they went rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name's sake. When Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown into the prison, the Bible says they were singing. Because there is only one who deserves our praise. Any time, every time. 
they were poor. They were probably caretakers. So they did not even have a lamb of their own to offer him. But they had something to offer him. They offered him the sacrifice of praise. Now let us fast, fast forward two years. We are still in the Christmas story. Because the story, the story of the Christmas reaches people at different times of their own lifetime. We did not hear when he was born. And when we were born, we did not hear. The story is repeated over and over. And when Christ meets us and we meet Christ, it's different times. The same thing is there. Another set of people is going to hear about him two years later after he's born. It is still the Christmas story. For them two years late. Different time, different people. Let's fast forward and reach there. Matthew 2, 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born, in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The only thing actually connected with Christmas. I have never seen anybody hang a manger. Because it doesn't suit our refined sensibilities. Because it is connected with cattle and dung. This of course we all want to be stars. Superstars, megastars. So star looks good on me, not the manger. Because it smells. But you want to be authentic. Why don't you hang a manger? I'm not ashamed because my savior was born in and kept in a manger. Where is he? Born? King of the Jews. Who is he? King of the Do you know even today he's only the king of Jews? Romans 2, 28, 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, from God. He is still only the king of Jews. Are you a Jew? Who's not one outwardly, but who's one inwardly. Whose heart is always open to the circumcision by the spirit that you are telling Lord, get rid of the things in me that I might love you and your son with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. And God says, I'm your king. I'm your king. I'm your king. Whose praise is from God. Whose praise is not from man. Ask this question. Am I a Jew? If so, is he my king? Have you come to worship him? Go back. To Matthew 2, 1 and 2. Matthew 2, 1 and 2. We have come to worship. 
wise men from the east. This is not a 30 minute journey on Uber. This was a two year journey probably on Camelback. Two year journey. To worship a child. Who's born king of Jews. And the question you have to ask them. Are you a Jew? Outwardly. No. Are you a Jew inwardly? Yes. That's why I have come to worship him. The Jews did not worship him. The Gentiles did. And the distance. And the hardship. The expenses. Nothing mattered. They did not have scripture. They did not have prophecy. They did not have anything. All they had was the star. No angelic choir for them. No announcement to them. Just a star. Worship. What have we come for? We have come to worship. It must have cost them. I still remember in my MA days reading T.S. Eliot's poem called The Journey of the Magi. And he writes about these are kings of the east who lived in splendor. And then they meet the child. When they go back, they are not the same. They cannot go back to their kingdom and enjoy their kingdom anymore because they have worshipped the king and something has changed inside. It's never, life is never the same again. Because they met him. And they have worshipped him. And life would never be the same again. It's David who said, I will not offer the Lord anything that has not cost me. And verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. When Herod the king heard, he was troubled. Why was he troubled? Because no kingdom can handle two kings. Herod the king was troubled. No kingdom can have two kings. There's only one country in this entire world which has two kings. It's a country called Bhutan. You have a reigning king. Jikmi Geser Namgyal Wangchuk. Around 40 years old. There is his father who abdicated the throne for his son, Jigmi Singe Wangchuk. Two kings, but for the son to sit on the throne, the father abdicated. So you see TV, you see any pictures, you don't see the father. You only see the son. He's the king. You can't have two. It's only another place where you have two heads of states, but one abdicated. It is in Vatican. This Pope Benedict. And Pope, whatever his name is, Before the current Pope could become Pope, the other one abdicated his throne. Even in the world they know, you cannot have two Popes. You cannot have two kings. You can have only one king. And Herod the king was troubled. And everyone sitting here and listening online who think you are king, you will be troubled when you hear about Jesus. Because he is king. Our issue is with Christ the king. 
Are Christ the Savior? You will be troubled. And all our troubles are with Christ the King. Because when He comes, He comes to reign. Herod was troubled. Herod has troubled. Either he is king or I am king. Without faith it is impossible to please. So we take faith, use it as a tool to please ourselves. Name it, claim it, have it. Who is king? You are king. Who serves you? God serves you. But for those who God is king, the same faith, you can name it. I am whatever you want. They serve God who is king. Because we have another gospel that is being preached where you are king and faith is used so that God serves you. Which gospel have you believed? Which Jesus have you received? Which spirit is in you? And then when that God doesn't meet your prayers and your needs, you get offended. The king is offended. Naomi is offended. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. I went full. He brought me empty. Why are you offended? Who is king? Abel and Cain are there offering sacrifice to God, the king. The king did not accept one person's offering. He was angry because he was king. Whenever you get angry, always ask this question. Who is angry? Who is king? That's why the Bible says, the wrath of man does not bring the righteousness of the of God, the King. Who is King? When Herod heard, Herod was troubled. Are you troubled? Because the King is coming. He's coming. He's much closer than any one of us think. He's coming. He's coming. Everything that is happening around the world is connected with his coming. By the time you reach to Malachi, God says, I distrust your sacrifices. Stop your religion. Look at 2022 Christmas. All of US is paralyzed. By a monster storm, 250 million people are freezing. From Ottawa in Canada to Texas, sunny states. In Minnesota, where my nephew is, he said, it is freezing inside with the heat. It's minus 40 or minus 50. God says, I'm shutting down your Christmas. And the largest country that supplies all your Christmas gifts is shutting down. 230 million people are currently supposedly infected with COVID in China. 
Your factory that supplies your gifts, I will shut that down, I will shut you down. Europe is gasping for gas because of the war. Ukraine and Russia are in war. Who is celebrating Christmas? Because you made it about Santa Claus and about yourself. It was not about my son. Those who have ears, let them hear and wake up because he's coming. He's coming. In his mercy, in his goodness, in his kindness, he's giving us signs on earth and signs in heaven. So that we will prepare ourselves. Who is he, who's coming? Not the Lamb of God. The King of God. The King is coming. First time when he came, no one saw him. Next time he come, every eye will see him. As lightning flashes from sky to sky, east to west, every eye will see him. That's the truth. That's why we have to ask these hard questions. Who is king? John 18.37 Pilate representing the power of Rome asked, Are you a king? Then Jesus answered, You rightly say, I am a king. I am a king, but I am not your king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone is of truth. They hear my voice. I'm their king. We were born of truth. We have to grow in truth. And our ears have to be open to hear constantly the voice of the spirit of truth. I'm their king. That's where the Magi comes and makes this incredible statement. Where is he? Born king. No, you are not born a king. You are born a prince. King Charles has two sons. They are Prince William and Prince Harry. And Prince William has sons and daughters. They are all princes. But Jesus was not born a prince. He was born a king. Doesn't fit in with our narrative. Where is he born king? Where is he born king? Psalm 2, 1 to 3. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bonds in pieces, cast away their cords from us. There is a conspiracy against Christ and Christmas. Anything connected with Christ, the kings of the earth. They don't want to come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. What does God say? Verse 4. He who sits in the heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I have kept my king. God calls his son his king. On my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten him. Do you see there is no contradiction in scripture? When God begot his son. Was begotten a king. When Herod heard. He was troubled. Are you troubled? 
If you are king, you will be troubled. If you are not king, you won't be troubled. You will say, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Take your rightful place. You are Lord. I am not. You have the freedom, the right to tell me anything. The greatest man who ever lived after Jesus Christ on earth was Apostle Paul. Because the day he encountered Jesus, the first question, who are you? Jesus of Nazareth, second question. What do you want me to do? Done. Never look back. I've never read in human history a man who accepted the kingship and the lordship of Jesus Christ in seconds. Never look back. Therefore, scripture is written through him. God could speak to him. Because he was on the side of truth and he could hear his voice. Our struggle, real struggle, we have to take these things to the Lord and say, Lord, I really struggle. I really struggle with your lordship. But I know, I have sung, I have heard, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, Christ is Lord. Help me to do it before that day comes. You know, when the thieves were nailed to the cross, they take a long time to die. That's why they will come. Break their legs. When Jesus comes back, you people don't kneel. Angels will break your legs. Kneel, the king is here. Blessed are those who kneel. Now. It becomes a habit. 90 years or 90 plus years old. There is a decree that has gone out to Babylon. For 30 days, no one shall pray. Daniel went, opened his hand, went on his knees. It's habit. These knees always bow before him. Always bow before him. I can't stop it, O king. I know one king, one lord. I, my knees always buckle before him. He's lord. I'm sorry, king. I love you. I adore you. I respect you. But your order contradicts the king of kings. Herod was troubled. Every time they hear about the king, Jesus, you try telling to your friends, Jesus is the only way. Then you will realize. You know what say that what it means? The lordship of Jesus Christ. Then you realize people have issues. Go back. And all Jerusalem with him. Not only was Herod disturbed, all, all Jerusalem was disturbed. Hebrews 12, 22, 23. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. We have come to Jerusalem. Where have we come? Where have we come? To heavenly Jerusalem. Go back to Galatians chapter 4. For it is written, Abraham had two sons, one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. He of the free woman through promise. Which things are symbolic. For these are two covenants. One from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. But this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds with Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. 
but Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. Who is your mother? Which is your Jerusalem? If you are from Jerusalem below, you will be troubled. If you are from Jerusalem above, you will be excited. All Jerusalem with him was troubled. That's why through Isaiah, prophet Isaiah, God will say, look unto Abraham and to Sarah. The rock from which you were hewn, unto Sarah. That's your mother. And to us, he will say, look unto Christ. And there is a city there, Jerusalem, which is free. And your names are registered here, not here. It does not matter whether your names are not registered in the church registry. What matters is it is registered there. If you are registered there, and if you are from Jerusalem, that is above, when you hear about Jesus, where is he, king of Jews? You won't be troubled. When you hear about the lordship of Jesus Christ, the kingship of Jesus Christ, and constantly to surrender to him, you won't be troubled. You will say, thy will be done. But all Jerusalem was troubled. Are we free? Is Jerusalem our mother? Down or below? Below or above? Daughters of Sarah. Remember? Long ago I preached a message called Daughters of Sarah. Nobody likes Sarah very much. When they get to know her. Wives, submit your husbands in all things as unto the... See, the problem is the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as... See, the problem is Christ, who is king in your home. See, the issues in the family has got nothing to do with your problems. It's got to do with the lordship of Jesus Christ. Oh, I cannot submit to him. Is Christ your Lord? Oh, I believe in him. I am saved. That's not a question that was asked. He's your savior. That's not a question. Unto you in the city of Jerusalem is born Christ the Lord. Not Christ, just your savior. We have come to worship. The lordship of Jesus Christ. Children, obey your parents. What's the problem? Christ the Lord. So in the way your master is not just giving eye service because of the Lord. Masters, be careful how you deal with your slaves because you have a... See, everywhere there is this issue of lordship and that's where the trouble comes. Everybody wants to be saved. Nobody wants a king. We are living in the time of the judges. Everyone was king in his own eyes. So can we get Christ back into Christmas? If he gets back, he is Lord. Simple question is, who is king? Who is my king? Revelation 19, 11 to 16. I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. He who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the word of God. And the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on a white horses. 
Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he would strike the nations. He himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fearness and the wrath of Almighty God. And his name was, he had, has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is a baby that was in the manger. Do you see the little baby wrapped up in swaddling clothes 2,000 years ago? This is who he is now. King of kings and Lord of lords. This is how he is coming back. So every celebration, every time we have an occasion, whether it's a wedding, we remind you of the coming wedding. Whether it is a baptism, we remind you about what it means. Whether it is a child dedication, whether it's Christmas, we remind you what we should be reminded of. He's coming. It's not coming as a baby. Not coming as a baby. Yes, he's the Lamb of God. He's still the Lamb of God. The Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world was laid. But the Lamb is King. Revelation 17, 14. These will make war with whom? The Lamb. And the Lamb will? Oh, because they thought he was still a Lamb. For he is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Remember last Sunday Pastor Vijay preached? They followed him wherever he went. Do you know the ones who will follow him wherever they, he goes? Those who were first called. They were not chosen. They were called. And there was a period of testing. Then they were chosen. And even when they were chosen and sent out, twelve were chosen by God. Eleven remained faithful. One was discarded. The called, the chosen, and the final, the faithful. How will we end? How will we end? Because the king is coming. This is not about jingle bells. Or the reindeer. Or that fat man. No. Every Christmas, as long as we have the freedom and the liberty, we should declare the one who is coming. The one who has come. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Now that you are saved, believe in the one who is coming. This is how he is coming. And he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And with him are those who are called the Chosen. The faithful. Very soon. The trumpets trumpets will blow. Trumpets will blow. When it blows, the final trumpet blows. The kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there is a Hindi song we sing in North India when we go over there. The thing it says, Akri turhi bajate time. Tum kaha hoga? Main kaha hoga? When the last trumpet blows, where will you be? Where will I be? Ask this serious questions. These are very serious questions to ask. Lord, if you were to come before this day is over, What is your confidence? Where does your confidence come from? There's a hope of salvation. That's different. 
There's a hope of glory. Peter would say to your faith, add this, add this, add this, add this, add this, add this. Then tighten the bolt with this knot called love. And if this keeps on with increasing measure and abound in your life, you will receive a rich welcome into the kingdom of God. You can make your calling and election sure, brethren. John will say, at his appearance, we will not have to be ashamed. We can have confidence. Because for those who are saved, every opportunity is to prepare ourselves, prepare ourselves because the king is coming. The king is coming. The king is coming. A king like no other king. He is coming. This is not a king where he will declare outside Buckingham Palace, the queen is dead, long live the king. This king never dies. He's a priest after the order of Melchizedek forever and ever. Through one sacrifice he has perfected everyone who is being saved and the Bible says he has sat down. Well, all the priests were standing, including this priest, he's standing. He doesn't stand. He sits down because his work is finished. When he comes back, he's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. So we prepare ourselves constantly. So it's not happy holidays. If he's, if he's not king, happy holidays. If he is king and lord, have a merry Christmas. You are merry gentlemen and merry gentlewomen. Matthew 2, 4 to 6. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is written by the prophet, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Wow, these guys know scripture. Pandit hai, sab. Biblical pandits. One scripture alone. Entire 39 books, thousands and thousands of verses. One verse alone about where he will be born. They know it. Sabbash. Micah 5.2, they could quote without opening a scroll. They did not need GPS. They knew precise location. And they had the info too. The question is, did anyone go? Did anyone hear? Christ has been on planet earth for two years. Did anyone hear? No. That's why God says, all those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. 30 years later, when the forerunner is presented before Christ is presented, the Bible says, in the year of this Caesar and this king and this king and this king and this priest and this priest, the word of the Lord went to the wilderness to John because he had ears that could hear. The shepherds had ears that could hear. Did you get the message there? The message for us today, now? You know the written word by heart. But if the written word does not lead you to the living word, 
you still haven't met the Savior. They knew the written word. They knew precisely where it was. But it didn't take them to the living word. If it is still written word for you, and it is still not living word, go fall on your face before God and say, Lord, have mercy. I'm just in that group. I know scripture. But scripture doesn't know me. Scripture doesn't know me. Do you remember that old illustration I gave you? There was this competition in some town, Christian town in the US, where everybody was asked to come, prepare to come, to have a recital of Psalm 23. Different people came and finally one young man comes and gives a flawless rendering of Psalm 23. And everybody stood up and clapped. After that, final was an old man. He came with a faltering voice. He recited Psalm 23. By the time he finished, tears were flowing. The young man came back. He took the microphone and he said, I knew the shepherd's psalm. He knows the shepherd of the psalm. What do you know? What do I know? Ask these questions. Do we know scriptures? Or do we know the Lord of the scripture? Do we know the shepherd psalm? Or do we know the shepherd of the psalm? That's David. The Lord is my shepherd. Personalizes everything. The Lord is my shepherd. That's why I will not want. Not because the Lord is shepherd. For us actually we say it, but what we mean is, the Lord is shepherd, so I shall not want. God says, who's shepherd? Are you my shepherd? Can I lead you? They knew. Sight does not lead to faith. We are hearing. We are watching. Sight doesn't lead to faith. Thomas said, Pastor Thomas said, I will not believe unless I have seen the nail marks in his hands and his riven side and put my fingers there. And Jesus came. Hi, hi Thomas. He went on his knees. He said, my Lord, my Savior. You know what he told him? Thomas, you believed because you blessed are those who believe without seeing. Let me ask this question. Did the shepherd see? No. Before they saw, they believed. They said, let us go and see what has been told to us, which has come to pass. These people heard. They had scripture. The priests and the scribes knew much, but they never moved. The poor shepherds knew very little. But when they heard, they hastened. It's better to know little and go to him than to know much 
never move. Do you remember the story I told you about a town every week? Once a week, a train used to pass by. There was only one church. And the pastor used to go. He was a train lover like me. He used to go talk to the station master. He's running on time, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and he would sit there regularly every week. And then he would watch the train pass by. So one day the station master asked him, why do you come to see this train? He says, you know all the town comes to my church, but this is the only thing that moves without me having to say. So I get relief. I have to stand, I have to shout, I have to scream, but nobody moves. But this train at least moves. We have all the information, everything, on our fingertips. Have you moved? They knew the location. Y'all heard it? Your pundits now, distance from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, 10 miles. How much? 10 to 12 kilometers, that's all. Did anybody go? First they did not hear, so they could not go. After they heard, also they didn't go. How long does it take to walk 10 kilometers? One hour? The priest had a head full of faith. The shepherds had a heart full of faith. With a heart, man believes. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? If your knowledge and my knowledge of the Bible does not lead to the knowledge of the Savior, all that we read and study is pointless. The shepherds and the wise men from the East they went to Jesus. And the priest and the scribe stayed at home and continued their Bible studies. <laughs> John 5, 39 and 40. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. You are not willing to come to me. That you may have life. If you were willing to come to me, you would have had life. The shepherds went, they received life. The Magi went, they received life. If you were willing to come, you have all the scriptures, but you are not coming to me. The scriptures are only talking about me. I keep telling that. When you read scripture, don't look for knowledge. That is secondary. First is faith. To faith, add virtue, then knowledge. But faith. If scripture doesn't produce faith, Scripture hasn't failed you. You failed scripture. Scripture never fails. It never fails. It can never fail. I can, I can fail every day, but scripture cannot fail. The purpose of scripture is not to provide information. It's to generate intimacy. Why do people not go to Jesus? One of the many reasons, Luke 2.11. 
unto you born this day in the city of David. Is it? Is it? Only sinners need saviors. Righteous people like you don't need savior. I need. Every day I wake up and I have to go because I know I'm a sinner. Only sinners need savior. That's why the religions are diametrically opposite. Gita Krishna says, Yuga to Yuga, I am born to destroy the sinners and save the righteous. Jesus comes and says, the righteous don't need a savior. I have come for the sinners. They are not the same. If you think you are a sinner, you will go to the savior. But if you are not conscious that you are a sinner, you will not see the need for a savior. And if we, if you and I keep on going to him, the Bible says he will save us to the uttermost. But you have to go to him. Those who come to God through him, he is able to save to the uttermost. The second problem people have with him is he was born king. One of the things with those who ministered to me when I was eight, 18 years old, they just told me, just kneel down and ask Jesus to come to your heart. They didn't tell me when he comes, he comes as king. I said, what's the problem? This, because by then it's already 11.30 in the night. Like I said, we all had single rooms in the hostel. The hostel room had only one door. So there is I mean, no way I could escape. He came to my room. So I thought, okay, let me kneel down and ask Jesus to come and he will go. The problem is he went, Jesus never left. <laughs> and then I realized the one who came in has a habit of taking over. See, my issue with Jesus never has been with Jesus the Savior. My issue with him was he was Lord. I still remember last time when Samir and all put up that picture on the lake and this thing and all. And I was telling my wife, that's the lake, my first camp, youth, you, Valley Youth Camp. I said I was there in the year 19, I don't know, in the 80s. Young kid, I was there, 18, 19 years old, I was there. And I said, Ramba, there was a youth camp. And in the final day of the youth camp, there was this campfire. And then we were all singing. And then suddenly the leader said, all of you who are, wants to give your life for full-time ministry, put up your hand. I don't know. I don't know how my hand went up. Involuntarily it went up. A guy who did not know scripture, who did not understand what ministry was, his hand went up. I put my hand up very religiously with my eye shut and then I opened and looked. Only one hand up. (laughs) Telling you, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I got into ministry without understanding what ministry was. You're coming from a Catholic family, only seen priests in robes. You don't know what Protestant ministry is. I still remember my first house visit. Spoke the word, 10 minutes, prayed, and they gave me an envelope. And I looked at the envelope and said, Sir, you didn't write the address on the way I will post it because I did not know in ministry you get an offering. I did not know. There are offerings in ministry. 
Then he said, No, brother, this is for you. I said, I didn't understand. He said, it is an offering. So I went back and asked my pastor, what is this? Savior and Lord. Matthew 2, 9 and 10. When they heard the king, they departed. Behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They didn't even see the child. (laughs) They saw the star that was leading them to the child. Are you happy? I do. When I drive back at 9.30 in the night from my office to my home, I look. That's a Christian house. That's a Christian house. That's a Christian house. That's a Christian house. Lord, your people. I don't know them. I may never know them, but they're your people. (laughs) Us, David is here many, many, many years ago. Almost 18, 20 years ago, we were in Chennai on a Sunday. We went to church early first service, then we went for breakfast. And Chennai is interesting. The restaurant was full of Christians who had come after the first service. I was so excited. I went and shook hands with everyone. Praise the Lord for the praise the Lord for the praise the Lord. Do you know them? No. Will I have, have I ever met them after that? No. You know why? What does the star signify? Inside, who is there? Christ is born. That's why every time I told you, if you want to put up something, put up a star above your house. Until the government says, take it off. Let them know, Christ dwells in this house. They were exceedingly happy. Exceedingly happy. Everything was forgotten. Everything was forgotten. Two years of journeying. The aches and the pains. Traveling through ravines and wilderness and deserts and harsh climates. Everything was forgotten. You know what? We have come to the end of our journey. For the star stopped. Everything is forgotten. One day we will reach the end of our journey. Do you know what it is written? Father will wipe every tear away. Journey is over. It's over. It's over. It's over. Even when you felt it, you knew it, you did not know it. I was with you every moment of the day. But now, That journey is over. No sorrow, no grief, no sickness, no violence, no temptation, no falling. It's all over, son. It's all over, daughter. It's over. Bible says, then we shall see him 
face to face. The journey was over. The joy, the joy, look at that, the joy. Is our joy the same thing or is it about lunch that follows? Look at that. Exceedingly great joy. You have to have memories. When you've been up in that mountains for one whole year, then you get into the train at a station called New Jalpaiguri. Or you get in from Gohati. You cross Assam. You cross Bihar. You cross Bengal. You cross Orissa. You cross Telangana. Those days it was AP. Then you cross Tamil Nadu. Then you cross Coimbatore. When you cross Coimbatore, your heart starts beating. Because you know, it's getting close. An hour later, the terrain changes. It's all green. And it is green. And you pass a small tunnel pass. And it is written, you are entering Kerala. You know what? You have to see the songs that come out. These are soldiers returning after one year, two year. They all have one song. You know what is? In the land of coconuts, I have a small plot of land. I'm coming home. We have a country. We have a city. We have a house. We have a family. And we have a father. This is not our destination. We are going home one day. Are we glad? Exceedingly glad. Knowing what he did for us. And that's why we can go home. The believer in Ukraine, if today he dies because of a bomb, he knows where he is going. The others may have no hope. That's why the Bible says through Apostle Peter, we have been birthed into a living hope. Exceeding joy. Do we have joy? It's a day. We will all be there. It's called the day. The day. <laughs> we are going home. I always tell people, home is always connected with people. It's always connected with people. Do not make your home about things. It is about people. If you make it about things, it's a house. If you make it make about people, it's a home. It's a home. Don't substitute one for the other. That's why God says, do not love the world and the, the home will become a house. House is full of things. Home is full of Two weeks back, my mother was bedridden, absolutely bedridden. We thought she was going to go. Then her children came. All the children came from every end they came. She saw them. They laughed with her. They joked with her. They fed her. They washed her hair. The sons washed their hair. They did everything. And they left. Yesterday, she sat in the wheelchair. She came to the front room. 
She ate with her own hands. There's a place called home. <laughs> you know our children who came to LHL, the ones who were thrown into the dustbin and all, nobody wanted and all. You know what we used to tell the ayahs? I used to tell the ayahs. They are very sick. They have no will to fight to love. Hold them. Tell them in their ears. A thousand times I told Matulika, Daddy loves you. You will not die. You will not die. Because sick children, abandoned children, that child was thrown into a dustbin. And before the dogs got her, the cops brought her and brought her to us. They have no will to love. Because they have never known love. Two eleven. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him. You see, these are Gentiles. (laughs) These are not Jews or Christians. Who are these? These are? They are Gentiles. The Jews and the Christians have been told, lift up your hands, clap your hands, wave your hands. They fell down and they worshipped. Nobody had to tell them. They just fell down and worshipped. Does our encounter with Christ cause us to worship? You see in the Bible, Old and New Testament, whenever people encountered God, their response was, my Lord, my God. Whether it is in a prophet Isaiah or a fisherman Peter, my Lord, depart from me. It's written in heaven. Apostle Paul's Apostle John saw when Jesus comes, the 24 elders, the highest in the hierarchy there, cast their crowns. And they worshipped. Sweetest thing Jesus tells us through his conversation with a Samaritan woman is my father seeks. Seeks what? Worship us. Worship us. And they opened treasures. It's very, see, see how beautiful scripture is. That's why I said it's an authentic, true book. They opened their treasures and presented gifts. God so loved the world. And he gave his only begotten son. Because Christmas is all about giving. All about when it all began, he gave his son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, not glittering clothes, swaddling clothes, put him in a manger and offered him to us. 
And when he left, he hung him on a cross, drenched in blood, and offered him to us. This is my son. They opened their treasures. They opened their treasures and gave gifts. What the gifts are, don't worry about it. Don't worry about what they give. Worry about what we give. This is there are three types of ways in which people give gifts. A gift is usually associated with value. Two with motive. And three, it meets a need. So if you're giving a gift to a king, you won't give an ordinary king, ordinary gift. Even if you don't have money, you will sell because, because of who he is. The gift has to be of value because of the person. Right? The value of the gift is related to the person to whom you are giving. Or how you value that person. Second is the motive. Why do you give? A little baby was wrapping a little box with nice glittering, this thing, everything, put everything, taped it, and on Christmas put it under the tree and kept it. The father came and opened the gift first and he opened and looked. I said, honey, the box is empty. And she said, no daddy, I blew it full of kisses. So it's not the value here, it's the motive. And then there is me who will tell you if you want to give me a gift, give me notebooks and pens. Last me a year. It is a need. Don't buy me clothes because nobody can figure my size out. And you can never find a trouser my size because I'm neither 30 nor 32, 31. And they only make 30 and 32. So don't get me clothes. Don't get me anything. So he said if you give me a gift, let it meet a Need. So, value, motive, and need. God so loved the world. What is the motive? Love. He gave his only begotten son. That's why Peter would say, we were not redeemed by gold or silver, but by the blood of God's own son. It's not that we valued God, he valued us. Because the gift you give, you are telling how much you value the person. He loved us and he valued us. The son he gave us. Now what Ephesians 1.3 says, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Do you know what it means? Every need you and I will require in this life and in the life to come, is met in Christ Jesus. That's Second Peter 3, 1, 3. His divine power has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. One is for now, the other is for the day to come. Everything has been given. So the value, the motive, and the need, everything has been packaged. And that's the package you saw in that manger. Every need. There are a single need you and I will face in life, in this life or the life to come, which is not met in Christ Jesus. 
How do we receive it? Through the exceedingly great promises. That's what the Bible says. Every promise is yea and amen in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Not just yea and amen. In Christ Jesus. They opened their treasures. The Father opened his treasure. And he gave his only son. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Overwhelmed by this truth. You know in Romans 8.32 what Paul says. He who did not spare his own son. But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all? The gift of his son. The gift of his son. How do you receive that gift? Repent. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives you the gift of repentance. Do you know that? You think you repented. No. He gave it. Free gift. The gift of repentance. Read your scripture carefully. That's why no man will boast saying, I repented and believed. God says, no, I gave you the gift of repentance. I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. No, he gave you the gift of faith. To unto every man, he gave a measure of faith to believe. He gave the gift of his son. He gave us a gift of repentance. He gave us the gift of faith. When we believed, he was the gift of justification. Read Romans 5. And when we were justified, he gave us the gift of his own righteousness. And he gave us the gift of his eternal life. Everything is in scripture. It's a gift. And then he gave us the gift of his Holy Spirit. These are all the gifts of the Father. Can you outdo the Son? No. The son says, when he rose, taking captivity captive, he gave them gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints to ministry until they reached the fullness of the stature of Christ. The son gives gifts. And when the spirit comes, he comes full of gifts. That's what the Bible says. And Paul will say, what is that you have? That you have not received. So why do you boast? The wise men opened their treasures. Opened their treasures and gave. Gifts. So as we close... After 11 chapters of unbelievable scriptural exegesis, Apostle Paul, from chapter 1 to chapter 11, after it all, he has this appeal in Romans 12.1. I beseech thee, brethren, the light of the mercy, every gift I, 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 I mention is the mercy of God. In his mercy, he gives gift after gift after gift after gift after gift. In the light of all these mercies, appeal you, brethren. Offer your bodies 
this morning. What did he ask? Offer your bodies. That's what my wife says. Give me your wallet. Because in that wallet is the money, the debit card, and the credit card. Give me your wallet. What does God say? Give me your, in it is the soul, the spirit. Give me your body. It doesn't demand. He says, give it. The simple question is, what can we give him today? He says, can you give me your body? This morning, he says, can you give me your body? Not like we were taught when we were small. Night time. I lay my head to sleep. Now I give my body to wake up in the morning, take it back. As a living sacrifice. We offer ourselves to the Savior by surrendering our sins and trusting in His faithfulness and His blood. And we surrender our lives to the King. This is the only birthday on earth where everybody gives, gives to each other and the birthday boy never gets anything. Today, can you stand up? Can we stand up? Act of faith. Act of faith. It's all by faith. Act of faith. Repentance is a gift. Faith is a gift. Everything from God is a gift because we can never earn it. By faith we go. By faith we receive. We go through this word. See the promises of God. And we say, Lord, here I come. You used to sing that song, right? What do I have to offer you? One heart and two hands. If we have heard and asked ourselves the hard questions, my prayer is let this Christmas be different for all of us. None of us have been saved to the uttermost. We are on the way. But we should be on the way. Because somebody else is on the way. And rules and regimes are changing. Very soon, the time will come where you will not be able to buy or sell. By yourself. The day is very close. Everything is set in place. Everything is set in place. And they are cracking down. Everything. You thought COVID had gone, no? These things will never go. Wars will never go. There's only one real war in this entire world. You know where it is? In the Middle East. Only one real war. In the Middle East. Israel and Palestine. That's a real war. Every other war is a setup from the Illuminati to get the people. There are no real wars. Through war, through pestilence, through famine, through everything, 
they will break the will of God, the will of man. And those who know him will do great exploits. This is not the time to joke. This is serious time. They are taking over. You can't change scripture. And the women cried over him. He said, don't cry over me. I'm crying over you. He said, I'm crying over you. The cry in the Bible is come out, come out, come out, come out of the system. Come out of the system. Don't get dulled in your, in your mind. Be in the world. Do not be part of the world. You will not know the day and the hour come upon you. What is happening around? Everything is a setup. But those, the Bible says, I will come like a thief in the night. But he says, the thief in the night for, are for those who are in the dark. But that day should not catch you unawares because you are children of light. Even if you are children, there were children in the Bible who were prepared, who heard, who walked with God. So forget the past 51 Sundays. This is the 52nd Sunday. Maybe this is the day. This is the day. We say, Lord, here I am. I surrender. I come to you. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. I surrender. Wash me clean. Wash me clean. And help me to walk with you. The remaining seven days, and let 2023 be different. Absolutely different. That we are not afraid. Because the Bible says, none of these things can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. God says, when these things happen, the hearts of men shall fail because of fear. But you, he said, lift up your heads, because your redemption draweth nigh. Scripture. It's true. Lift up your heads today. Don't be afraid. For he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, a sound mind. Father, this morning we come to you. We surrender. As best as we know. And I pray, rest of our life, each day, let it be surrender. Break every yoke. For this purpose the Son of Man came. That he might destroy the works of the devil. In us. We surrender. Above all, touch our hearts. That our hearts are stayed on you. Through the day, through the day, through the years. Our hearts are stayed on you. Let there be a cleansing. Let there be a renewal. Let there be a healing. Let there be a deliverance. For you did not come to condemn. You came to save. But you do ask hard questions. When the disciples of John followed you, the first question you ask is, what do you seek? You do ask hard questions. We have asked hard questions. 
the answer is we want to put Christ back in Christmas. And Christ back in the center of our lives. This is not about us. This is about you. And I pray in every life, let there be only one King, one Lord, one Savior. That's the best gift we can give you. This morning, it's an act of faith. We open our treasure and we give you our gift. We give you ourselves. And Lord Jesus, how filthy we may look, how dirty we may look, we pray, Lord, would you receive it? Cleanse it with your precious blood and use us, each one, anywhere, whichever manner you choose, for your glory, for your honor, for your praise. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.